With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Good afternoon. You're listening to Gambling with an Edge. Now here are your hosts, Bob Dancer and Richard Munchkin. Good afternoon. Welcome to Gambling with an Edge. I'm Bob Dancer. And I'm Richard Munchkin. To start off the new year, we're going to have a mailbag show. These are all questions sent in by uh, our listeners. We thank you. And let's get started. First question. When you talk about having a kicker in a poker hand, does that just refer to any card that's a kicker? Or do you mean it's a kicker of a certain value like ace, king, queen, jack, etc.? All right. If you're talking about a poker hand, I have no idea what you're talking about. If you're talking about a video poker hand, it depends on the game. Some games like double-double bonus and triple-double bonus have listed payouts for hand like four aces, but a much higher payout for four aces with a two, three, or four. In these games, a two, three, or four is referred to as a kicker. In these same games, four twos, threes, and fours pay more for their fifth card is an ace, two, three, or four. There are other games with other kickers. Induces bonus variations. Four deuces typically pay 1,000 coins, but four deuces with an ace kicker pays 4,000 coins. In these games are, let me say that again, four deuces with an ace pays 2,000 coins. In these games, the strategy may well be if you're dealt two or more deuces, you hold the ace kicker in addition to the deuces. Yeah, I would just add that if you're talking about regular poker, then... There are times where two people have the same hand. For example, they both have a pair of aces. So the kicker would be whatever, whichever player has the next highest card, that is their kicker. If they both had two aces with a king, then you would go to the next card after that. So the kicker could be any card in someone's Uh huh. Next question. I'm a new listener who wants to become a professional AP. In past episodes, I've heard talk about England being a good place to play for advantage players. Why is this, and should I move to England? Richard, I know you have something to say about this. Yeah, uh, actually, I think right now England is one of the worst places in the world in advantage. Uh, The casinos, many of them, you must become a member to enter the casino, And all of the casinos have really, really restrictive policies about uh, how much money you can buy in. So uh, if you get in more than, say, 1,000 euros or 1,500 euros, suddenly you have to show bank records, how much money you earn, where you got the money, 
And and so things are really, really restrictive, more so there than anywhere else I've heard of. So yeah, I would say England is a, a terrible place to become an AP. Well, Utah isn't a great place to be an AP. <laughs> well, it's close to Nevada. You know, ah, it's close case. to a lot of states with gambling. You have you can travel. And and no dig on Utah, it's just that they don't have any casinos there. All right. Next next question. When you play video poker, do you stick with one machine? Or do you at times switch machines? If you switch, what are your reasons for switching? Thanks for your time. All right. On the machines I like to play, usually there aren't a lot of them. So there aren't a lot of choices. That said, usually I stay at the same machine except for such factors as sticky buttons or other machine glitch or smoker or chatty Kathy moves in next to me. I can hear the bill validator is close to being full and I don't want to wait 20 minutes or them 20 minutes or more for them to pull the box and replace it with another. The chair is uncomfortably high or low and the next machine over doesn't have that problem. Those kind of things. I never move for a reason related to how much I'm ahead or behind. I do not believe that just because a machine is ahead or behind a certain amount in the past few hours, it deals any differently than a random machine would. Right? Next question. Another video poker question. I recently learned about Super Times Pay video poker. I know Super Times Pay has a higher payback percentage than regular video poker, assuming the game pay table for each video poker variant is the same. How much more volatile is this game and how much more bankroll should you have for this video poker variation? And would you recommend playing Super Times Pay over regular video poker if, say, both video poker, poker variations are 8-5 bonus poker? Is there a scenario where you would play one over the other? Okay, Super Times Pay is a six coin per line variation where approximately one in 15 hands, you receive a multiplier before the deal. The multiplier ranges between 2x and 10x with a mean of slightly more than 4x. The multipliers add about a quarter percent to the value of the game. So far, this sounds like a commercial for videopoker.com. According to Michael Shackelford, The Wizard of Oz, the variance of the game is increased by 0.51% by the Super Times Pay feature. That is, however much the variance of a particular dollar game had playing a Super Times Pay would be about the same as paying $1.50 coins rather than dollar coins. With the same pay schedule, I'll always take the extra quarter percent from Super Times Pay over the base game if available. I can envision an obscure situation where I had exactly $25 in free play to play off and playing $1.05 play used that up exactly, and $1.05 play Super Times Pay cost $30. If I were only going to play one hand, which is not usually the case, I'd skip the Super Times Pay. If I were going to be playing more than one hand, though, which is usually the case, I'll go with Super Times Pay. All right. Um, Scott, the Horse Player podcast, there was a discussion of tournament blackjack book. It was mentioned it was a Stanford Wong book, but which one was it? Now, we both know this answer, but I've spoken the rest, so I'll let Richard handle it. <laughs> oh, well, I was just thinking, like, do I actually know the real title? I think it's called... Uh, casino tournament strategy. Um, uh, that would be the answer I would give. Yeah, and 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 if that's wrong, it's okay because you can just look in the show notes, and I will have the correct answer if that's not it, and and we'll have a link to the book. So uh, yeah, but as I say, it, uh, I I think the book originally was called Blackjack Tournament Strategy, and then he expanded it to include other types of casino tournaments. So yeah. 
that's the book and we will have a link to it in the show notes. And most of it is about blackjack tournaments because those, um, cause there's, uh, there's more to that, but, um, but it's good overall strategy. Next question. I get many offers from several of the casinos here in Florida. Some are gifts you pick up and show ID. However, certain gifts involve putting your card in a slot machine, putting in your PIN number, selecting your gift, and it gets mailed to you. Here's a dilemma. One of the casinos has several great offers this month, but it's a two-hour drive away. My daughter, who's over 21, lives close to the casino. What would be the risk of her sitting down at a slot machine, popping my card in the machine, selecting a gift, and promptly exiting? All right, my answer. While what you're proposing doing is likely against the casino slot club rules, there's little chance she'll be caught. Still, your gifts are probably based on average daily theoretical, and your daughter coming in will trip you with no play. That means you'll need to play more when you do come in um, in order to keep up the daily theoretical they, uh, if you want them to keep giving you the gifts. Next question. I've been camping at a number of local Southern California Indian casinos and was able to, over time, obtain $6,400 in table game free play as a loss rebate on a loss of just over 10000 I use my player's card, but play without heat, spreading from $100 to 2 times 1500 on occasion, but usually staying around 2 times 800 on double deck blackjack. I collect the free play over a month of play, 16 sections, and at the end of the month, a minus 10675 at this casino. I've read gross genes beyond coupons and understand that if I can get an edge when using this free play, this would be optimal for EV. My question is, would playing all $6,425 in free play while counting look overly suspicious, or is this what a degenerate Asian gambler do? By the way, I perfected the degenerate Asian gambler persona, which is how I was able to obtain the free play in the first place. Richard? Uh, I'm a little bit confused by the term free play because I'm used to that being on slots or video poker. So does that mean that you have... I'm not sure how you use this on a blackjack table unless they're giving you some kind of free play chips, like non non-cashable chips or something like that. Anyway, if, if it is that kind of thing, then uh, I don't think there'd be any problem just playing them all in one session. Um, the casino may be so, a little surprised you have so many of them all at one time. And, you know, it's just, you, you never really can read their minds. You never know what's going to set them off and what isn't. I I would try to get that stuff cashed as quickly as you can because I mean yes you you have the Asian superpower but eventually they are just going to realize you're counting cards and bar you and you don't want to be stuck with thousands of dollars of free play that they're now not going to let you cash. So I would do whatever it takes to get it cashed as quickly as possible and as they're giving you more of it don't let it accumulate. While I'm not a casino advantage player, I'm a trader, commodities mostly. I find helpful bits of information that I can apply to my trading. Over the years of trading, I've found one of the most important aspects of trading is not necessarily the execution of a strategy, but the mental game that goes along with winning and losing. I wanted to know how, over the years, you two have dealt with winning and losing of being advantage players. Also, if you have any recommendation for books, articles, etc. on the subject, that would be appreciated. 
Okay, uh, the Annie, book, Annie Duke books I've reviewed recently touch on this. I've read strategic books from a lot of games, including ones I don't play, such as poker and backgammon, and legal thrillers, sometimes books on succeeding at a variety of things. The behavior economic authors like Dan Ariely and Daniel Kahneman, even Malcolm Gladwell, who I'm a much bigger fan of than Richard is, uh, many of these books touch on the winning process from different angles. Read enough of them, and for me anyway, the how to be a winner thought process gets absorbed. Even preparing for and listening to many of the interviews we have in this program helped me in this process. This is a lifelong learning process with new twists happening all the time, and hopefully my process isn't ending in the near future. Richard. Yeah, I, I it was either Colin Jones or, or one of his Blackjack Apprenticeship people who I believe coined the term emotional bankrupt. And it's something that has to be built and it takes time. Uh, one of the things that I found and many of my friends in talking about this is not moving up in stakes until you're ready. So for many of us as blackjack players, we start out as red chip players. And then when we start betting green chips, it's, it's like a big deal. Uh, so, so you just want to move up slowly and, and become comfortable with the levels you're betting. And in the beginning, you know, swings of $500 might seem like a lot. And then after a while it won't. And then Swings of a few thousand dollars will seem like a lot, and after a while, it won't. Uh, so I would say that that would be the best way to approach it. I, I had a friend who we started out as card counters together. We were red chip players, and suddenly we were given a bankroll. And he had to go from having a top bet of, you know, maybe $20 to having a top bet of two hands of 500 And his hands would shake. He, he he just could not handle betting that much money, even though it wasn't his. Somebody else was bankrolling us, um, but he just did not have the emotional bankroll at that point. To, so uh, those are my thoughts. All right. Next question. I have a video poker question for Bob. I've been playing for quite a while and have developed, have become familiar with a fair few strategies and as much as I know I'm making the correct play, it still sometimes feels wrong, such as holding four cards when inside straight and deuces wild or holding the kicker and triple-double bonus. Do you have any plays that somehow don't feel right, even though they are? Um, before this question, I was unfamiliar with the phrase, a fair few. I found it interesting in the Urban Dictionary. It says that in Australian slang, it means more than a few, but less than a fucking ton. It's a fair few. Now, insofar as the question goes, whether there are hands where the correct play feels weird, my answer is not anymore. The first time I played double bonus and found it's proper to hold flush kickers such as ace, king, queen, four of hearts. That's better than just the ace, king, queen. It felt really strange. But I practiced that game enough that eventually it just became second nature. That's the way double bonus should be played. I accept that the computer software gives me the correct play, and my job is simply to try to play like a computer. There are hands that are still a bit exciting to me, such as four to the royal and certain three of a kinds, depending on the stakes, but mostly the rest of the hands fit in the category of play them as fast and as accurately as I can with no emotional reaction at all. When I miss in on, on a draw, say four to the royal on a 10 play, that ends up with no score at all. Sometimes I'll sigh or give a small grunt, but mostly I'm playing quickly and quietly. 
There are players who live and die on the results of each hand, but I'm not one of those. I don't want that kind of emotional roller coaster, and reacting to every hand greatly reduces the, let me say that again, and reacting to every hand greatly reduces the hands per hour. Since I'm playing games where I have the advantage, I want to play as many hands as I can, and taking time to react before or after the draw is expensive. Next question. I know that the strategy for 9-6 jacks or better and 8-5 bonus poker are very similar. I remember reading that if you use the jacks or better strategy on bonus poker, the payback is 99.0 instead of 99.17. Are there basic guidelines you can share that would explain the difference in strategy? I know the jacks strategy close to perfect. Okay, it's not as bad as you say. Using 9-6 jacks or better strategy for 8-5 bonus reduces the payback from 99.17% to 99.15%. For many players, that's uh, too small of a loss to worry about. If you want the full explanation of the differences, consider reading the uh, Dancer Daily Winner's Guide for Jacks or Better. Changes in the value of the full house and four of a kinds make very, very little difference in the strategy. But changing from flush equals six to flush equals five introduces a number of changes but only on those hands where a flush or straight flush can be one of the top options, like with an ace by itself and a suited queen 10. In jacks are better, queen 10 is usually preferred. In bonus poker, ace queen is always better. Or a suited king 10 with another card in the same suit. Jacks are better, you usually hold king 10. Bonus poker, it's always the king by itself. Three card straight flushes are worth slightly less in the bonus poker game. But anyway, doing this on a podcast, it's hard to absorb it. Um, The winner's guide goes over it slowly and in great detail. Next question. I enjoy advantage play content and consider myself an advantage sports better, but I'm pretty much clueless when it comes to slots. Here's a totally basic question. My family annually vacations in Aruba. My dad loves to play the slots. He typically just plays machines he thinks look fun and, of course, generally loses big. In the spirit of being a plus EV-obsessed son who just can't bear to watch his dad play something so blindly, how can I generally direct him to the highest edge machines within a particular casino? Is there a way for a newbie to to identify these machines relatively quickly and without much work? Okay, Michael Shackelford's his new update to Gambling 102. Uh, He has a selection on advantage slot play. It's rudimentary and it only covers 10 or so games, but it'll give you a place to start. It's not out yet from Huntington Press, but it's on the very short list of the next to come out. Also, um, if you go to YouTube videos on advantage slot play, there will be people who talk about various games and how they gain an advantage there. Next question. I learned the basics of video poker exclusively for Ultimate X Vulturing. Whenever I come across a hand I'm sure of, I reference your level one beginner strategy card for whatever game I'm playing at the time. My question is, how much EV am I actually giving up by not taking into account different pay schedules, penalty cards, and other similar factors? Well, not a whole lot, but of course it depends on how much you know. Basic strategy for double-double bonus is a lot different than that for Jacks are Better, Deuces Wild, or Joker Wild. For the basic Ultimate X game, you're only going to be playing one hand when you find a game, and it's going to take a while to find that game. For Ultimate X Gold, you may well be playing several hands. For this game, especially since the strategy changes so much every time a multiplier changes, the more you know about video poker, the better chances you have to make the appropriate changes. Next question. 
I was in Vegas recently and had the opportunity to play some blackjack. While I know the math and wrote a custom simulator to prove the math to myself, I'm not an AP. I like to play casually and drink and socialize and have fun at the table, so I stick with basic strategy and flat betting. At one point during the night, I was dealt a pair of deuces against dealer seven. I signaled I wanted to split, and the dealer all but slapped my hand and sternly told me, you don't want to do that. I stated, yes, I do. And she promptly proceeded to argue with me and told me it was a stupid thing to do. Another patron joined in and tried to explain to me something about the purpose of splitting, and the dealer was right that splitting against the seven was a dumb thing to do. I should have stuck to my guns, but the veracity of the negative reaction I got made me second-guess myself and whether or not my brain, at that moment swimming in bourbon, was accurately remembering the basic strategy. I'm used to patrons being loudly and confidently wrong about this stuff, but the fact that the dealer didn't know better and vehemently argued with me over it caught me off guard. If memory served me, Richard used to be a blackjack dealer, so my question is, how many dealers don't understand the game they are dealing? Uh, 98%. <laughs> and, and that's not just blackjack. I mean, yeah, the, the dealers don't know and the bosses don't know. Uh, and and you should just say, look, it's my money and I'll play the hand the way I want. And yeah, you, you don't have to bow to social pressure there. You were doing the right thing or trying to do the right thing. And yeah, they're, the vast majority of them have no clue. I remember years ago, uh, I had some coupons at the Riviera, uh, may she rest in peace, for if I got a six-card Charlie, I would get $50. And they had a, um, a blackjack table you could play for $2. And so I was uh, had the coupon out and was telling the dealer I wanted to hit a hard 17 against whatever it was that she had. She would not give me a card. She refused to give me a card because she knows hitting a hard 17 is never the right play. Although, of course, with this coupon where you get a $50 bonus and you have a $2 bet out, it is definitely the right play. And I was arguing with her. I said, stop, stop, stop. Call, you know, call the pit. I want a card. I want a card. She would not give it to me. She gave me, she gave the next player a card and it was a four. And I'm, I'm screaming bloody murder. And the pit comes over. What's going on? I explained that this dealer wouldn't give me the card. And uh, and I said, everybody at the table can verify that I'm begging for the card, signaling, yelling at her, and she's absolutely refusing. She is telling me how to play my money. Uh, it's unfair. I should have had that four. And the dealer's looking kind of sheepish. And the other player's going, yeah, that's what happened. And so the dealer goes, well... Uh, we can't back up the cards because if it was a 10, you wouldn't be doing this. So if you want another card now, I can give you one, but you're not going to get that four. So uh, I'm, you know, Shrug said, yeah, I'll take a card. And it turned out to be a deuce. And so, um, and, uh, and I think I even took another card because the deuce was my fifth card. But um, dealers sometimes try to be helpful and they're trying to be well-intentioned. And uh, they think they're being good to you because they're helping you. And, and to many players, they are being good to us, but sometimes they're not. Next question. How can you determine whether or not a sports book odds boost promotion actually gives you an edge? For example, let's say a sports book is boosting a preset two-leg parlay where both of the legs are pr 
player props from 200 from plus 200 to plus 250. If you assume that the original price price of plus 200 is fair, then the boost at plus 250 gives you a decent edge. But how can you tell if the plus 250 is actually fair? All right. The definition of fair in sports books is what's being offered by the other various sports book. Unabated.com, among others, lists current lines at a number of casinos if you're talking about the games. I don't know that they list player props. Um, but if, um, if you can get the same player prop at a different casino, yeah, the line is fair. And that's basically all you have to do to uh, do it unless you have extra value to a lot of data to calculate whether well, <clears throat> gaining, you know, catching four passes for 120 yards is a uh, likely or not. Well, no, but the 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 player's prop has a uh house advantage built into it. So, you know, it might be something like uh plus 200 minus 240. So the fair price is somewhere in between the 200 and the 240. Now, it's not exactly halfway in between depending on uh you know, kind of the odds of the bet. Like, like if it was plus 105 minus 105, then yes, it'd be halfway in between. Um, but so you, you could calculate it that way by, uh, or at least get a rough estimate. But Unabated also has tools that you can plug in what the prices are and it will calculate for you what the fair price is. All right. Next question. In the December 19th, Question of the day at the Las Vegas Advisor. Arnold Snyder writes, The use of a continual shuffle machine does cut the house edge slightly against a basic strategy player, assuming the dealer in the regular non-CSM game typically uses a cut card to determine the shuffle point. This is somewhat complex, but a logical, uh, but there's a logical explanation for it. I'll spare you the details. Now, play. The listener wrote in, said, I would have assumed the opposite from the conclusion of the floating advantage chapter in Blackjack Attack. Since you're only playing the first round off the top and then reshuffling, you don't get the positive effects of dealing deeper into the deck. Where am I wrong, since I doubt I know more than Snyder on this? All right, now I have a theory, but Richard, you can go first, because this is your game. Yeah, I, I have no clue. This is the kind of thing that I totally ignored, because it was totally irrelevant to me. I was much more interested in how do I actually make money than these sort of arcane uh, math questions. So I have no idea. All right. Now I'm going to posit a theory, which uh, is not tested by experience because I haven't played blackjack in years. But let's say it's a double deck game with half a deck cut off, which means the cut card is just after the 78th card cards that will give you the high count are the little cards. So you'll have used up a lot of those reaching the 78th card. So on those occasions when the last half a deck is rich with 10s, you'll reach the cut card before then. On the other hand, if the last 26 cards are all little cards, meaning the 10s have come out early, it'll take more hands to reach the 78th card because you complete more hands when 10s come out than when 3s, 4s, and 5s come out. What this means is that when the last cards are rich, you've played fewer hands under bad conditions getting to the position where the shuffle card is. When the last cards are poor, you've played more hands under conditions that were actually better than you thought they were, so your bets weren't increased at the time. 
Now, that's my that's the theory of a non-blackjack player. So trusting that is um, at your own risk. All right, uh, it's time for a commercial. Um, we normally start off with the South Point commercials, but the South Point is no longer a sponsor. So Richard, we're going to let you start off with the commercials today. Okay, well, since I mentioned Unabated just a minute ago, if you are interested in getting an edge at sports betting, then Unabated.com is a great resource. Founded by frequent Gambling with an Edge guests, Captain Jack and Rufus Peabody, Unabated.com is designed for both new and experienced sports bettors. Their real-time odds screen tools and calculators take a lot of the guesswork out of trying to quantify your edge. There's also plenty of free education and instruction to help you along your journey to becoming a sharper better. You can currently take advantage of a seven-day free trial to decide if their premium membership at unabated.com is right for you. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Videopoker.com is the best place to play lots of games. If you sign up for the gold membership, $8.95 a month or $79.95 a year, this allows you to get correction on most of the game. Game of the week is Wheel Poker Deluxe. This is a game where you pay an extra five coins per game, meaning triple play costs 20 coins, five play costs 30 coins, 10 play costs 55 points, and the bonuses come on the deal with trips, full houses, and quads, slightly different for Deuce's Wild variation. If you get one of these bonuses, you spin the wheel. When the wheel spins, it lands on a drawing opportunity with the correct hold already made. Sometimes it's 100 play, 4 to a flush. Sometimes it's 10 play with a pair of aces. Sometimes it's triple play, 4 to royal, etc. There's no skill involved in the hold for the bonus, and the bonus is earned on the draw, meaning that if you know the strategy for the base game, you know the strategy for the wheel poker deluxe version, which adds a bit of EV a bit of variance. Surprisingly, the triple play version always pays a bit more than the five play version. For example, in 9-6 double double bonus, the base game pays 98.98%. The five play version of Wheel Poker Deluxe pays 99.31%. And the triple play version pays 99.47%. If you're serious about card counting, the Blackjack Apprenticeship membership is a great way to learn, train, network, and get the resources you need to succeed. We've had quite a few guests on Gambling with an Edge who exclusively trained and got their start through Blackjack Apprenticeship. Check out the website at blackjackapprenticeship.com. They have member forums, training software, and guides to help you. So that's blackjackapprenticeship.com, and you will find a link. Okay, we're back to our questions. When playing video poker on a multi-denomination game, say $1, $2, $5, if there is a change in the pay schedule between $1 and $2, does that have an overall effect on the expected return? 
Example, $1 double-double is bonus is set at 9.5, whereas $2 is set at 9.6. Can the reduced 9.5 pay schedule bring down the machine's life expected 9.6 return for the $2 game? And the answer is no. The pay schedule of one game on a machine has no effect whatsoever on the return of the games on the same machine with different pay schedules. It actually can help the player playing the loosest game on that machine because whether because the slot department usually evaluates how much the machine as a whole earns, not the game. So even though you're doing very well on the loosest version, which normally would be a red flag, and they would might take the game out, there'll be enough players playing the worst version so it is still a profitable machine for them. The lower denomination game, which is usually the lesser pay schedule, almost always gets more play than the higher denomination, uh, better pay schedule, simply because uh, for bankroll issues, people choose the least value that they can play. Next question from the same listener. On a multi-hand machine, triple play, five play, and 10 play, is the frequency of a pay hand affected by the others? For example, triple play machine, if a royal is hit on the third line every 41,000 hands, does that affect the frequency of the royals on line one or two? And the answer is absolutely not. The frequency of jackpots is always calculated going forward, not looking backwards. It could happen over a certain time period. One line of a triple play machine will be over-royaled and another will be under-royaled, but those things even out over time. The results of the three lines are correlated, of course, as you start from the same position every time. That is, if you're dealt four to the royal, you have some chance of getting one, two, or even three royals this time. If you start with a pair of aces, you have zero chance of getting any number of royals on any of the hands. Okay, next question. It seems that dice control theory could be tested by using a perfectly calibrated robot arm that throws the dice exactly the same every time. Has anyone ever tested this? I would imagine that if dice control is actually real, then it can be proven with such an experiment. But, I mean... What would it cost to build this precise robot arm to do this? Uh, you know, I mean, I guess theoretically it's possible, but I would think the cost of it would be prohibitively expensive. And even if a robot arm could do it, uh, that's not useful information. The question is, could a player do it? Yeah, this is also true. But, I mean, it would tell you if, in theory, it was possible. All right. So we had another question. Uh, that I didn't, um, I didn't write up, but uh, let me see if I can, um, we can talk about it. Um, recently, Anthony Curtis, Las Vegas advisor, came, was sent an ad by Acres Gaming about a video poker analyzer that is sold to computers, to sold, sold to casinos, that the casino can tell how well a player is playing. And so if a player is a perfect player, the casino will then know about that and can act accordingly. Um, the question is, what are my thoughts about such a, such a situation? And I saw the ad by that Anthony Curtis did. I thought these things were available for a long time now. The uh, win poker or video poker for winners, a wolf video poker, uh, all had... Um, this information available to players when you were trying to learn games was much better graphics than uh, this Acres game was showing. Um, so 
the technology has been out there. I assume casinos had it. Um, generally speaking, it's not good news for the better players. If the casinos can accurately say who's the best player and who's not the best player, then that's bad for the good players. Casinos in general want to reward um, the bad players and punish the good players. Um, simply, a casino wants to reward the players based on their value to the casino. And the value to the casino is not what players want to be rewarded on. So uh, is this bad news for the player? Yeah, sure. Um, will it change things a lot? I don't think so. The, the conditions of video poker is largely also determined by uh, the promotions, the slot club, the mailers, uh, those type of things. And that is not going to be handled by this Acre software. So it, the, what the software will do is, are they playing the game well today? Not, why is that player in the casino today? Because that's a question that won't be answered. No, but it is going to tell them what is the what is a more accurate, what is the average daily theoretical. So, you know, if you come in and play at minus half a percent, they'll say your average daily theoretical was this. And if somebody plays badly, their average daily theoretical was, you know, minus 2.3%. And so you probably won't get a mailer and they will, whatever. Yes, and so there, it, I remember, I remember hearing, it must have been 15 or 20 years ago. And, and maybe this is, you know, this is secondhand, but I, I heard back then that Mark Yosiloff, who was the CEO of um, Shuffle Master, and now uh, I believe is teaching at UNLV, that he had the patent on this so that it would be built into you know, video poker machines. And I don't know why it's taken this long for it actually to come into being. But uh, yeah, the technology has been around forever. And of course, the casinos want more accurate information on exactly what are you worth to as a customer. Um, so like all things, all things change. So when I heard about this, I was thinking about um, how this is, the software for video poker is different than the software for blackjack, where from the casino's point of view, it's um, identify the good players so they can uh, treat them appropriately. So I considered the cases like in Jacks are Better, if you have an ace-king-10-4 of hearts and an, on a black 10, uh, the right play by far is to hold all four hearts, ace-king-10-4 even though 95% of players are just going to hold 1810. Uh, now, this is a rare hand. It isn't worth much. But this software will correctly say that you made the wrong play. But this rare hand is not doesn't mean much because it's, it's rare and it's worth much. But in blackjack, a situation such as doubling down for less, you're betting $100, you're dealt a 8-4 against a dealer 2, and... You put a $5 bet out there as a double down. Now, there's been several. And um, you're making a bad play, uh, doubling a, a full double down on a 12 versus a 2 is an expensive play. But in this case, it's not an expensive play because it's a $5 bet on where you're normally betting 100 And if the casino registers that as a double down, uh, that would be a um, a benefit for the player because they will 
say this player doesn't have a clue. Now, Arnold Snyder wrote about this in uh, in his recent book, Radical Blackjack. Uh, there's been at least one guest, I think Richie Rich talked about it when he was a guest on Gambling with an Edge. I think there's been other guests who've spoken about this play. Um, but this is a relatively common, I don't know the exact number, but it's going to happen several times a session, whereas the uh, the video poker example won't be. So... In the blackjack, I'm guessing 30% of players know that it's right to hit a hard 12 versus a dealer deuce. Um, but, uh, but of course, nobody with a clue is going to do a full double down on a 12 versus a deuce. So, But blackjack players are primarily concerned with things like penetration, how much action the dealer will take, how, mu- how much action the casino will take. Uh, and video poker players are more concerned with What's the slot club? What are the mailers? What are the promotions? So I'm guessing that in these cases, even with better software for the casinos, the better players will find ways to succeed. All right. There's another question. Is it ever right to not split aces? Do you know the answer to that, Richard? Or I assume there's some count at which you shouldn't. No, I, I don't know. I mean, there are technically uh, times when you have the whole card would be right. Um yeah, again, that's the kind of arcane uh, thing that I never really paid much attention. All right. We have uh, another question. We have that question. Yeah. Um, and I'm trying to oh, find okay, that. For, I haven't written down. Do you have it in front of you? Yeah, I, I have it in front of me. So a guy asked if there was a promotion where once a day you got to go into a casino and roll a single die. And um, if you... Uh, if you roll a six, you would get paid seven to one instead of five to one. And you have a $100,000 bankroll. How much should you bet and why? So this is a a, a pretty easy problem. Um, if you roll the die six times on average, you're going to lose five. And one time the six will come up and, and you will win seven. So you're winning two bets out of six. So your advantage is 33%. Now, if this was a coin flip, then Kelly would tell you to bet 33% of your bankroll or $33,000. But because of the variance involved, you actually have to divide the 33 by the amount of the payoff. So you divide it by seven. So your first bet, 33 divided by seven, your first bet should be approximately $4,700. And each day that you go back, you have to calculate what your new bankroll is and, uh, you know, bet 4.7% of the new bankroll. So if you won the first day, you would bet more the next time. And if you lost, you bet less. So that's that was the answer to the question. All right. So uh, we're out of questions. Uh, so send them in for our next show. And Yeah, try to send more that aren't about video poker. <laughs> Yes. Uh, yeah, Rich, we, we, we want to keep Richard um, active. Um, so to make up for me answering most of the video poker questions today, we're going to have, uh, Richard's going to have two recommendeds and I'm not going to have any, and that makes it all even out. So Richard, what is your first recommended? <laughs> so uh, I have uh, complete, I totally binged two different shows on Netflix this week that, uh I, I just went through them it, it just 
about as quickly as you could. Uh, I thought they were both really uh, interesting and entertaining. Well, one was really interesting. One was really entertaining. The entertaining one is called The Recruit, and it's about uh, kind of a screw-up type of guy who skates his way through law school and gets a job at the CIA as uh, a lawyer and, of course, gets involved in all sorts of stuff that <laughs> that lawyers don't do. Uh, but it was funny and and uh, full of action, and I, I was really entertained by it. Um, the other one, I think I watched uh, in, in two days. There were only six episodes, and that was called The Industry. And it was a really interestingly uh, filmed and written story of Spotify and how Spotify came to be. And there are six episodes, and each episode is told from a different point of view by one of the people involved. So one of them is about Ake, the guy who first came up with the idea. One of them is told by his partner. One of them is told by a record executive. Uh, Anyway, it was really an interesting approach, and they filmed it in an interesting way. So, um, yeah, I I thought that was uh, really good. So, yeah, The Recruit and The Industry. Check those out. Did you say they were both on Netflix? Yeah. Good. That's the right answer. That's the only one of those services that we have, and uh, they both sound interesting to me. All right. You don't have Amazon Prime? I don't have Amazon Prime. Oh, uh, we order so much stuff from Amazon. I do, but, but every yeah, time okay. you get free shipping from Amazon if, if you order $25 or more at a time. So the advantage, the free shipping from Amazon Prime is, does, isn't worth anything if you each order is at least $25. So I usually when I order from Amazon, it's more than that. And if it's not more than that, I will make it more than that by adding something else to it. So um, I didn't. I don't see the value of Amazon Prime for when you're ordering from Amazon. All right. Uh, thank you, Richard. Uh, send us some more question, folks. Happy New Year. Go out and hit lots of royal flushes. Good day. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.